This week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet. We'll recap UFC 266, Volkanovski vs. Ortega, hit you with our segments, Isn't He Awesome in Real World Callouts, and last but not least, we'll preview UFC Fight Night, Santos vs. Walker. Here we go. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Just Like That. We are coming off an insane week, UFC 266. A lot of crazy stuff this week. I would say as far as waiting for a card to find a big card to finally come through, this one definitely came through. Do you think so? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was looking like it might not for a second there. Like uh, you know, the main card kind of started off kind of slow and then uh well, it started off all right and then middle of it Got kind of slow, and then the, uh, and what more could you ask for in a main event? Yeah, exactly. But we'll get to all that. Before we do, though, we'll start things off as we always do with our takes of the week. So, as always, Ryan, take us away. Uh-huh, all right. So, I don't know if you caught the broadcast during uh, Chris Dawkins' fight. So, basically, DC laughed at John Anik when uh, Anik stated Chris Dawkins thinks he can be the uh, best heavyweight in the world. <laughs> Uh, but now I'm seeing the UFC is targeting a main event matchup of Chris Dawkins versus Derek Lewis for December 18th. So UFC must have heard that, you know, thought heard that Chris Dawkins thought he was uh, the best, and they're about to uh, see if he has any chance of making that become a reality. So it's a huge matchup. I mean, if he can beat Derek Lewis, I mean, I'm I'm still far from saying he's the best heavyweight in the world, but, I mean, that puts him up there in, you know, getting – right in the title picture, basically, if you beat Derek Lewis. They might have one more fight, and then, uh, you know, you could go up against Nagano after that. So, you know, he said he thinks he's going to be the best in the world. This is uh, this is his chance to prove it. So, um, I mean, this is a must-win if, uh, if you know, that goal is going to be uh, achieved anytime soon, at least. Yeah, and uh, up until I heard that news, I was on the uh, always bet Chris Dawkins to win by knockout train, bet him by knockout in this last fight. Um, he actually called out Stipe. If I'm Stipe, I'm jumping all over that fight. Nothing against Chris Dawkins, but I think it, was, it would be a favorable matchup for Stipe. But, yeah, he, he kind of put himself in that picture. But, um, you know, I like Chris Dawkins and everything, but when it comes down to get down to it, this is a uh, Black Beast podcast, so we're going to be riding with uh, Derek Lewis all the way. Early prediction, what do you what do you think about that? Uh, I love Derek Lewis in that fight. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, Chris Dawkins, he's going to have a big speed advantage, but he gets hit. I mean, even uh, Shamil um, uh, Abdul Razakim, or whatever his name is, he was... He was uh, landing a lot. He was landing on him. And, I mean, Derek Lewis, he's going to find he's gonna find a shot sooner or later. So, I mean, I, I really like Derek Lewis in that matchup. I mean, could I see Chris Dawkins kind of, uh, you know, just getting in and out and, you know, getting Derek Lewis against the cage, kind of getting in and out? for five rounds i mean that's tough man that's tough could he do it possibly but he'd have to literally fight the perfect fight the best fight he has in him to, to do that i think so um yeah i think it's definitely a really tough matchup for him all right i just wanted to write that down while you're still on a red hot uh pick streak so we'll see um right <laughs> but anyways we'll get to that we'll get to that in a little bit too but um yeah so uh, i guess uh we'll be cr- crossing paths chris Dawkins is a guy we've kind of been behind and uh Obviously, big-time uh, Derek Lewis fans. So, 
Uh, it's coming up, and it's coming up quick, and we'll find out if he... If he uh, my take of the week this week is the MMA God stepped in and righted some wrongs to um, fix a problem we had here. They, we got Peter Yan fighting Corey Sandhagen now for an interim belt, or as many people will consider to be the real belt for the bantamweight interim title. Um, we saw, obviously, what happened with Aljamain Sterling. Peter Yan was dominating that fight through an illegal knee. And then we had the uh, TJ Dillashaw coming back after basically two-year drug cheating suspension, getting a very um, controversial decision over Corey Sandhagen. This is the fight I think everyone wanted to see. This is the fight we wanted to get to, Corey Sandhagen versus Peter Yan, and it's for a title belt. I think that this is uh, kind of like the, uh, the MMA gods who can be very, very cruel, but we're finding out they're also very, very fair because I think this is the, the right thing and this is how it should be. And um, also, this is the fight that I really wanted to see. So I think, uh, I think they straightened it out. They had seen enough, I believe. Yeah. I mean, if I'm, if I'm Peter Jan, I don't know if I, if I take this fight. I mean, you got to come. It's not, he doesn't have too, much, too long to, uh, to train for the uh, switch of opponents. And this is a, this is a yeah. lot more difficult of a fight, I think, for him than uh, Eljamain Sterling. I mean, he knows he dominated Eljamain Sterling. Um, Eljamain Sterling, I don't, there are improvements he could make, but are there enough improvements besides, you know, getting needed in the head better again um, <laughs> to win him the fight the second time? I, I don't really know. Um, so, I mean, this is, I think this is a lot tougher fight for Peter Yan. He's got to uh, deal with the height, the reach, just the length of, uh, of Sandhagen, and I th- I think it's going to be uh, an, a tough puzzle for him to uh, him to solve. Uh, if there's anyone that can do it, it's him. He he's a tank, uh, so I mean we'll see. Yeah, I'm with you there. I just think this is this to me is so much, but it's I mean it's crazy. It's just a typical MMA. But Aljamain Sterling choked out uh, Corey Sandhagen in what two minutes, and then when they fought, it was not a quick fight. It was not a competitive fight. I mean, he pretty much just, I mean, Corey Sandhagen gives his back up. So if you're a guy who takes backs and chokes people, it's just like a rock, paper, scissors at the top of that division right now. But I guess my most excited point is that I really just think it's great that TJ Dillashaw is kind of out of the picture. Don't wish injuries on anybody. Don't want to see anybody go down, uh, get hurt. But I just don't like TJ Dillashaw. And to come back and get a snake decision over, uh, over Sandhagen in a fight that I think we both said he we clearly thought Sandhagen won like what was it one two and five or one three and five whatever it was um just feel like this is a perfect uh perfect correction or things kind of shaking out the way they should be yeah no I completely agree um yeah I think Sandhagen deserves it Uh, I think he definitely won that fight versus TJ um you know I, I was a big hater on TJ as well, and then when he uh, when he embraced the snake, I kind of I kind of started to uh, kind of like him a little bit when he came out with the uh, the Reebok snake shirt. I'm like, all right, well, at least he knows what's up. Um, so you know, got a little bit more respect for him there, but still not my favorite fighter by any means. Yeah, there's no denying he's a, he's solid in there too. So and he showed that when he did fight Corey Sandhagen, that was a really good fight. But anyhow, uh, all these scores will be settled pretty quickly. It sounds like that fight's set up for uh, October 30th. Short short turnaround, about a month away. So um, got another good one coming. A lot of good fights coming up. But 
we can uh, we can jump into our recap now because I'm sure we're going to want to spend a decent amount of time on this. This was uh, one of the easily one of the best cards we've had in a long time. Uh, like you said, some some there were some lulls in the middle. Some things I think people enjoyed more than others, but we'll uh, take it from the top here. Alexander Volkanovsky, Brian Ortega. I mean, Volkanovsky dominated the whole fight except for what about a minute of it, where it was looking like it was in grave danger for uh, for the champ. Yeah, and I mean, Ortega came back in the in the fifth round and looked good though. Surprisingly, somehow. Um, I don't, he might have won that round. I'm not sure. He uh, he was landing quite a bit on Volkanovski. I think Volkanovski was more trying to scare it. Although he did he did go toe to toe with him a little bit in the fifth round as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, what more could he ask for in this fight? Volkanovski. I mean, he's clearly the better fighter all around in the stand up and everything. But man, Brian Ortega is dangerous if he gets uh, if he gets one of those submissions locked in. And man, I cannot believe Volkanovski was able to fight his way out of those. I mean, the first one, I'm like. Holy shit, it's over. I'm like, I'm standing up. I'm like, God damn it. There it goes. I had, uh, I think I had two parlays live at this point that I let ride. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, it's over. Like, I should have, I should have hedged these. Um, or actually, I did have a, I put a small bet on Brian Ortega by decision. Oh, yeah. But, you put a submission, submission, yeah, prop by on submission, him, right? not decision. I'm sorry. So, yeah. Um, I guess it wouldn't have been, it would have been all right, but I still would have, I still made way more money with the uh, Volkanovski winning. But yeah, I mean, as far as our picks go, we've had Volkanovski on this one. We picked him to win by decision plus one thirty five, yeah. and then I said, you know, fight goes the distance. You could bet two at minus one thirty two. So we nailed all three of those on that one, um, looking good. And I mean, it was just a it was a great fight. I mean, it was a one sided fight, but it was a, a one sided fight that's great, which. Uh, Brian Ortega, unfortunately, seems to uh, be involved in quite a bit of those, especially when they're uh, for the title, it seems like. Yeah, he's just, I don't know what it is. First of all, he's got a super tough chin on him. Hard guy to put away. I don't even know if he's ever been dropped, although I thought he was dead at the end of round three. But chin finally gave out. I thought his brain finally gave out. Another thing, did you notice when the doctors were asking him questions, he kind of sounded like he would he would have been okay if they stopped that fight. He was kind of like answering, like, I don't know if I can see or I don't know if I can fight. Yeah, I can't then, believe they let it keep going because usually, like, if it's like, I don't know, it's like automatic. It's usually like if they get the first one wrong, maybe they have one more chance. If not, it's over. And I mean, they gave him like three, four chances, I feel like, to guess the amount of uh, fingers they were holding up and stuff. And uh, yeah, it was. And usually they like, uh, they'll like close they'll like put their hand in front of the good eye and then put their fingers up in front of the bad eye it seemed like they were putting the hand up in front of the bad eye and putting the fingers up in front of the good eye um and he's still having trouble with it so yeah they gave him every chance ortega i mean he didn't he didn't say he wanted out but um he started by being like i'm not sure and then but by the end of it uh he was like yeah yeah i can see i'm good to go so i think like he kind of started and then they're like uh i don't know they clearly don't want to stop this so i uh it's either gonna meet i'm gonna have to look like a bitch and say i want out or i'm gonna just have to say i need i want to keep going so and he chose to keep going that's the thing though aren't you trying to help the fighters like they're not gonna say yes well one of them did but they're not gonna say yes please stop it they're kind of like talking kind of like i don't know like you're supposed to be like take it out of their hands also another thing this just shows what a cluster mess the corner like the doctor coming in and stuff the doctor turns to Herb, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I, the doctor turns to Herb, and he's like, I don't know if he can keep fighting or not, basically. What do you think? Or I don't know how it went down. Herb 
goes up and asks Brian Ortega, how many fingers am I holding up? He's doing the doctor's job. <laughs> and then I don't yeah. even know if, like, he's not a doctor. He's not supposed to be doing how many fingers and whatnot. And yeah, I it was know. just a mess. I don't know where they got that doctor from. It must have been his first time ever being the doctor for fights or anything. Because, yeah, he, he did, clearly didn't want to be in there. I don't know if... Uh, you know, the last time uh, a doctor stopped a main event prematurely that, like, maybe Dana White just beat their ass in the back or something, and now they got them all shook, and they don't <laughs> want to make any official decisions, so they're they're throwing it on her. But, uh, yeah, he, he clearly did not want to be the one to make any type of decision. He's, like, he kind of looked at him. I, don't, I feel like, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think he held the doctor, held up any fingers or anything. I think he just was like, hey, are you okay? And he, Ortega's like, yeah, kind of. And then he's like, goes to Herb Dean, what do you think? Herb Dean basically does the doctor's job and uh, just basically just keeps asking him until he gets the answer he wants. So, Yeah, well, I, I mean, obviously he absorbed a lot more strikes in rounds four and five, but uh, I would say, I don't know. I mean, he, he, he was fighting. He was definitely okay to keep fighting after that. So all things considered, I think it all turned out okay. But um, yeah, great fight, though, again. You don't see that many lopsided fights that are actually that good of a fight. Yeah, I mean, you don't see someone get their ass beat and then almost just be on as close as you can get to a victory twice in a round. Um, so yeah, and still lose the round. Yeah, and still it's it, pretty wild. But uh, yeah, I think Ortega too. He's kind of one of those guys that doesn't wear damage very well. Um, it definitely he his face gets pretty pretty messed up when he starts getting hit compared to some guys it seems like it's almost impossible to make them look like they're taking any damage just uh i don't know what it is yeah he was he was all kinds of swollen up probably needed to walk out with the same mask oh his entrance cringy or cool everyone's divided i thought it was cool i i I thought those masks were pretty dope honestly i I mean i don't i as far as i know Dana White, the UFC, has never allowed anything like that. Like, the closest they've came is, like, some, like, Aboriginal, like, stuff in Australia type stuff. Out of you know? yeah. Yeah, and Mark Hunt used to have the dancer guys a few times, the, like, Samoan dancer or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought they, you know, it's, like, a pretty much, like, a strict no-costume deal for the UFC. So I was really surprised. I'm like, what is this? And then I thought it was just going to be, like, you know, maybe he had some dancers coming out in the mask and he was just going to come out normal, but nope. And it took me a minute to find out who, to figure out who was walking out as well. I'm like, all right, well, maybe this is like the uh, Australian dancers again or whatever for Volkanovski. And then I'm like, oh, nope, I just Ortega. So, yeah, I thought it was cool. And then I found out it was from the Purge movies, which is just, I don't know, like that kind of took a little bit of a, it wasn't like an original idea, but the masks were pretty sweet. Oh, I like the Purge movies, but is it, was it like, I've never uh, seen them. Did he get paid by the Purge too? Like, is that I an advertisement know. or? I don't know. I just found it, it's like, once I found out it wasn't like a super original idea, then I was a little bit, uh, a little, took a little bit of the, uh, the, uh, steam off it for me, but I thought it was, uh, over, I mean, like you said, I was thinking, what did Dana sign off on this? Because I know he notoriously hates, uh, like any type of uh, like theatrical entrance. Yeah, well, we do know the UFC loves to promote C-rate movies, so um, <laughs> you know it's like, should I allow the costume or should I take the extra hundred grand to uh, promote the uh, the purge here? Uh, we'll take the money. Or tag you can wear it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a that's a really good point. All right, then. So last last thought on this: 
Volkanovsky clearly top of the pound for pound list. Uh, the guy's just pretty much. I mean, obviously we want to see him fight Max again. Obviously, I thought Max won the second fight between them, uh, so we obviously want to see the trilogy. But regardless, both of those guys top of the pound for pound list. Uh, no, no denying that. Oh, for sure. All right. Speaking of top of the pound for pound list, Valentina Shevchenko versus Lauren Murphy. Valentina Shevchenko by TKO minus one twenty nailed it. Feel that one felt good as well. What was that round four? She finally put the pressure on her and just got her out of there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I was kind of, I you know, Valentina Shevchenko. I'm kind of I'm split on if I enjoy watching her fights. Like, yeah, she is just so dominant. She. Nobody is even close to beating her, but she's fighting Lauren Murphy. She basically has no possible way to lose this fight. And for three rounds, she just, she kind of doesn't do much at all. She, I mean, she wins every round, but she could easily have taken Lauren Murphy out in the first round, had a highlight reel knockout, had people excited to see her next fight. But we kind of just get this kind of lingering on fight. She eventually stops it, but nobody's talking about Valentina Shevchenko nobody it doesn't make anybody want to watch her next fight I mean you know if she wants to you know make any money or get her name out there I mean you know basically still nobody knows her she's maybe the most dominant champion ever in UFC history at this point I mean it it doesn't her division it's like not great though but uh I mean usually most dominant champions have a weak kind of division but uh yeah I mean she could be so much more if she just went out there and put it on the line and got the knockouts, especially in matchups like this where where she's basically has next to no risk of losing. So, I mean, yeah, I respect it, but I just want to see a little bit more out of her. Um, we got this pick right. We got her by the knockout, minus 120. So we did all right on this one as, as well. It's just, uh, you know, if I had a million bucks or, you know, 1.5 million and that's all I had to my name, I honestly might bet that on Valentina Shevchenko to get $100,000 back. No joke, at minus 1500 versus Lauren Murphy. I mean, is there has there ever been a, like a bigger lock? For more like, free money? Yeah, more. I mean, that's still $150,000 or $100,000 you're getting back. or Yeah, 100000 or whatever you're getting back for, for putting up at 1.5 mil. So, I mean, if you got the money, I mean, it, it would be uh, an easy an easy 100K. An easy little bump there. Yeah, no, I know, I know exactly what you mean. You're just basically pointing out the fact that there's just no way it would be like statistically the biggest upset like almost by by a large large margin she just there's just nothing she could do possibly a victim of her own success when it comes to kind of putting on the show or putting on the performance um just because she she is so dominant and she's already beat everybody else so she has to fight the lauren murphy's unfortunately like yeah lauren murphy i don't know if she gets the credit she deserves because uh I've made a lot betting on her. She's a grinder. She's always the underdog, and she always grinds through. This one, obviously not so much. Again, I bet against her in this one, so I'm pretty much perfect when it comes to betting Lauren Murphy. But uh, she basically just, like, destroyed the division. That's now you're going to be fighting Lauren Murphy. So maybe possibly just a victim of her own success in some ways, uh, Shevchenko. Yeah, while I'm going kind of bad on Shevchenko, I also want to go kind of bad on Lauren Murphy here. I mean – what are you doing? What did you just like? Seemed like she just wanted to go to decision. I mean, her husband, I guess, is her chief corner. Literally told her she was doing great in the second round and third round. He's like, "You're doing great. You're like, you're winning this. You're it's actually you look excellent out there." I think he said. Yeah. I mean, 
geez, if I'm getting my ass beat like that and, and my corner tells me I don't care who it is that I, I look excellent out there, I, I'd be I'd make them leave the octagon right then and there. I'd say, don't come back in after the next round. Like, you're clearly delusional. I'm getting my ass kicked. But she's not going out there and doing anything. It's like she was content to to not lose horribly. Like, oh, maybe I can yeah. just kind of lose, you know. But, I mean, if you're Lauren Murphy, wouldn't you rather just go out there and try to make something happen um, other than take, like, a guaranteed loss the way she was fighting? I mean, it's almost all always a guaranteed loss for her in this situation. But... I mean, her best chance is to just, just blitz Valentina Shevchenko and, and hope for the best. She could have gotten that 20-punch combo on that, that was landed on her a lot earlier. She could have just got it out of the way and got it over with a lot earlier right. if she would have had any type of aggression at all. But I honestly, I just think what happens is they get in there with Shevchenko and they just are, they're just frozen. They're afraid to move. She was getting in and out so fast and just landing whatever she wanted to land. You could see her like coiling up her left back leg leg for the kick and then you could see her coiling up to do like a right hook i mean there was just nothing you could do to stop her and yeah she unleashed that 20 punch combo and it was like it looked like a very very experienced fighter fighting somebody who's never fought before um so i guess that's kind of just what she does and like you said it's it's it makes it not so exciting because she wins by such a wide margin it's just not a close fight yeah exactly but let's go to the uh, let's head up the real main event. Um, yeah, there we go. Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler here. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this one is uh, probably the most divided I've seen in a long time of uh, Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler. This was our was this our only wrong pick on the whole card? Yeah, uh, I think we got like one prop wrong or something. But as far as like actual like pick, I think this is the only one we got wrong. And obviously, we put an asterisk next to this one oh, because no, no, there was some took, some emotion involved. I took I said pass on the Curtis Blades versus Jarzinho Rosenstrike, but I said if you're gonna pick pick Rosenstrike, if you want to take an underdog, so I guess we kind of oh, got yeah. that one wrong. But I I mean the ones we'd say pass or take. I mean I, I ended up betting Blades anyways, but um, yeah, I couldn't remember. So, so anyhow, some emotion involved in this pick. Uh, maybe some of the warning signs that we that we kind of pushed away. Maybe they were uh, should have been taken a little more seriously. What did you think of this fight in general? I I'm not really that upset with how it all went down. It's not like a think of like a, a really polished striker comes back and like looks like that. It's a, he always kind of punched like that. He always kind of moved like that. The only thing is he clearly wasn't in very good shape. And uh, I don't know. He, he, it's just like, he clearly was not in the fighting mindset or in the, in the best shape no. that he probably could have been in. Yeah. I mean, it's just tough to know really. Cause I mean, Nick Diaz always talks like that. So you don't know how he's yeah. talking. If he's talking that because he actually doesn't want to be there if he's just talking that because he doesn't like fighting in general. But, uh, I mean, I, I didn't really know what to think about it when it was happening. I still don't really know what I think about it, honestly. I mean, at, at the beginning, I'm like, holy shit, Nick Diaz is about to pass out within two minutes. And then I'm like, and then he starts just landing these combinations over and over and over again. He lands like, a, you know, like a hundred, he throws like 150 strikes or something in the first round. And then you're like, wait, is he going to? Is he gonna do this for the first five round. rounds straight? Like, is he gonna just like just throw these like, you know, ten percent combinations just uh, and just land set a like record for significant strikes in the UFC versus Robbie Lawler? And then it's like, <laughs> in the whole fight, I'm just going back and forth. Like, is he gonna like? How is this gonna go? And then, I mean, it goes kind of the way 
it was looking like it was going besides like some some things it was the body shots I think that uh that hurt Nick Diaz the most and kind of uh caused him to gas more than anything I, I think Jake Shields or someone might have said that I guess Nick Diaz for whatever reason only had six weeks to train for this fight um still didn't seem in great shape I mean it doesn't seem like he's been doing quite the triathlon and stuff but fighting shapes a lot different than than running like triathlons and whatnot so I mean taking the punch to the body it doesn't look like he's been sparring a ton um but I mean but again his hands look good I mean they looked slower than they used to but I mean he looked good still there was like he landed um three uppercuts in a row versus Robbie Lawler at one point I'm like damn like he still got it he just doesn't have it completely you know like I think if he took a year right now to seriously go back and and just took a year and trained as hard as he could, I think we we could see him easily beat Robbie Lawler for sure. Um, but uh, you know, and probably beat some you know some other decent type fighters as well. Yeah, that's the thing. It it, it was hard to tell. I mean, he was like out of it too. He like just tried to walk straight into the octagon and just pass up the inspection and everything. It was like, I think he was a little like uh. I don't know, just kind of uh, six years away is a long time away. But what one last thing, what was with the uh, what did you th- why did he come out and throw a jump spin kick that was like nowhere near? Oh. I thought he was going to get put away right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, that was bad. I mean, I think that was part. Of it. I kind of <laughs> forgot about that. Every time I thought he's like all right, kind of putting it on him, throwing some combinations and stuff, he would throw a kick and his kicks looked like uh you know like a 70 year old man who hasn't stretched in the last 50 years i mean it looked like he couldn't get his leg above his waist and i don't know why he kept trying to throw the head kicks because it was like it was the most ridiculous looking thing i've ever seen so yeah and the jump spin kick it's like i don't know what what that what he was thinking there like have you not tried that in the last six years like did you not know how bad that was going to turn out clearly he has not and then robbie put it on him right away and i'm like this is going to last 15 seconds and we're we're going to be like, that was going to be, I thought it was going to be the worst like return of all time. And then he just, he just survived the barrage. And then he started putting it on Robbie. He clearly won the first round, lost the second round, third round again. It's like, it's anybody's fight, but it was kind of good. Definitely not going his way. Just, just definitely was not in the, like the patented Diaz brothers shape. And that's uh that's one thing that I don't think either of us really, like you said, he runs, does the triathlons. Maybe he hasn't actually been doing as many as we thought, or whatever. But I didn't think the uh, the cardio would be the thing that got that got him. Yeah, I think a little bit of it too. It's just you know, once you get punched, the cardio kind of uh, goes away for some guys, and usually it doesn't for the Diaz brothers. But if you don't haven't gotten really punched in the last six years, stuff changes. So you got to be doing that as well. So. I think it, I think it's something that he could easily come back and fix, but I just don't know if he's going to. I don't know if he wants to. I mean, if he wants to, man, I'd watch I'd watch him fight again, especially if uh, if he had a longer time to really really focus on it. But uh, you know, if he doesn't want to, it, you know, I'm I'm happy for him to ri- ride off into the uh, the sunset out there in Stockton and uh, you know just train and uh, and work at the Nick Diaz Academy, you know. Yeah, I'm with you 100% there. Whatever whatever he decides to do, we're behind him. Um, so so that was, uh, again, like I said, people were kind of split down the middle on what they thought of that one. I was I was fine with it. I didn't, I mean, obviously not super, didn't go the way we hoped, whatever. But 
it was uh it was kind of what you expect and people that were disappointed just wait until like he hasn't even started like saying that Robbie had like concrete in his gloves or that the wraps weren't done right or something or that he got poisoned like those things are still coming so the people that like thought it was a horrible performance or whatever they still have a another wave on the way so we'll uh we'll see what they think when that stuff starts too but um again it was it's good that he got kind of got to come back and get some redemption for basically the UFC screwing him over yeah I saw him taking pictures of GSP in the uh in the back um before the fight or maybe it was after the fight I don't know but it's like this guy poisoned poisoned you and you know he probably poisoned him again um so I think we could definitely have GSP to blame here that spinning back kick he was probably working on that in training camp and he's probably been throwing it absolutely perfectly the entire time GSP poisoned the water bottle again this guy is a very shady character, and uh, and then he's obviously off balance and disoriented when he throws that kick. He kind of fights through it, uh, but the poison ends up uh, taking him out there in the third round. Yeah, it's the only working theory right now. Also, leg kicks didn't exist six years ago. That was probably a pretty uh, a pretty tough thing to learn about on the fly like that. Yeah. Do you think either a Diaz brother wasn't in prime shape or a known? Poisoner, poison them. I mean, what's more likely here? I think you're. I think you're making a good point. Who set that up for them to cross paths coming into the arena too? Like, what are the odds? Yeah, I mean, Robbie Lawler, Dana White. I mean, uh, I mean, we could do a JLT investigation on this, but there, there's probably multiple people involved at the highest levels. <laughs> yeah, I think you're. Uh, I think you're onto something there. We will uh, we'll open a case and get to the bottom of it, and we'll see what Nick says because I'm assuming eventually he's going to come out and make some sort of statement like that. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see and uh, see where the leads take us. Yeah, the, the but, rest of these fights here on the recap, let's kind of try and get through them a little bit quicker so we don't take too long, except for let's let's touch on the Marias for Devish Marias a little bit longer. Yeah, so Curtis Blades, Rosenstrike, that's a pretty simple one. Blades just uh kind of dominated the wrestling um was able to get the shots he needed Rosenstrike, like we talked about knocking out blades is is kind of his weakness is running into a good punch and he actually ran into a good knee eye swelled completely shut but Rosenstrike's just not a guy who pulls the trigger like Derek lewis or uh francis Ngannou. so it was a lot easier for him to get him to the ground and just just uh kind of work the boring ground game that uh he's kind of known for yeah, and I mean Curtis Blades, he he's learned from those from those losses. Yeah, he took the big uh, the big shot that swelled up his eye, but he wasn't pushing for the takedown quite as much. Like he didn't run into it like he did versus Derek Lewis. He shoot from ten feet out. He, yeah, exactly. He he um, started slow. He spent a lot of time finding his distance, and he set up the takedowns, and he was a lot safer about it. Even even with being as safe as he was, he he ran into one, but. Uh, just wasn't enough opportunities for Rosenstrike, who isn't a volume guy. He really has to find the perfect shot to to throw it. And um, but, uh, Curtis Blades, he you know he he kept it uh, the game plan a little simpler. He he didn't rush anything, and uh, and he got the victory here. So yeah, and Curtis Blades underrated stand up. That's the last thing I'll say about that. He's actually pretty. He can stand toe to toe with anybody, really. As uh and. Um, kind of had a little better balance in this one than he has in his previous fights. Yeah, I mean, he looks uncomfortable at times, but then other times it seems like he kind of forgets about it and he, and he looks 
you know, he looked pretty comfortable, looks pretty good out there. But yeah, definitely something he's working on. Um, I like to keep seeing him, you know, work on finding that distance, mixing combinations, and then hit the takedowns. I think that'll, once he's able to do that, uh, it'll be able to, uh, you know, kind of nullify a little bit of the power of some of these guys. Yep, we'll see what's next for him then. Uh, Jessica Andrade, Cynthia Calvillo. Quick knockout, Jessica Andrade. She just put it on Cynthia Calvillo. Just looked like people from two different uh, two different levels here. Um, Jessica Andrade is obviously a tank, and uh, she just uh, came out and put it on her quick, and that fight was over pretty early. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Andrade, she's just exciting to watch. She's one of my uh, one of my favorite probably female fighters out there. Cynthia Calvillo. Um, you know, I, I didn't like love this pick like when I was when I was making it. But then as soon as the fight started, it's one of those ones like obviously that that's the right pick. Like she's going to dominate this fight. But uh, this is one I probably would have figured out a little. I would have been more confident if I would have watched tape. I mean, uh, but, you know, we had it right anyways. We picked on Gerard. She she got it done. She completely dominated Calvillo. And uh, I mean, Calvillo's good. She's just not great. Yep. Jessica Andrade pretty much proven that she is definitely at the top of the top of the any division she's in. Uh, wild one here: Marlon Marais, Marab Di Chavelli, Davi Chavelli. Um, I had a this is the only, this was the like the only prop I had. I left Marab off all my parlays because he was a minus three ten at close, um, and I had a Marais by first round knockout prop that I was just like obviously seconds away from cashing <laughs> and just putting myself over the top here yeah uh, right. oh you can almost call this a bad beat marlon marias did what marlon marias always does he looked phenomenal in the first uh first uh first round and then it all fell apart from there he may have even fell apart by the end of the first round but man can't take any away from marab this guy is uh clearly the real deal i think it's going to catch up with him his uh his leaving his chin out and getting clipped like that but it didn't in this fight, and I don't know many guys that hit harder than uh, Marlon Marias, and he was somehow able to survive about six of those just bombs. Uh, barely survived, but still survived him and got the victory. Yeah, I mean, Marlon Marais, he only he didn't only not last the first round. He only he blew his wad in the first three minutes and 30 seconds. There was a minute and a half left when Marab got that takedown and absolutely just pounded him out on the ground with ground and pound for the last minute and a half. And I don't know. Some people say he stole that round. One of the one out of the three judges gave the first round to Marab. Um, so I mean, I guess if you're who inflicted the most damage, it's hard to say. I mean, Marlon Marais was barely got off of the ground in the first round. I felt like it. It took him a minute to get to his corner. So uh, that's a tough one to score. I think personally, I would score for Marlon. Um, I've seen I've seen people split on it, but I mean, yeah, what a great fight. Um, but can you really blame Marlon Marais for, for spe- spending the gas tank there? I mean, no. have you ever seen somebody that hurt come back and win that quickly afterwards? It wasn't, I mean, I've seen people that, that hurt come back and, you know, be backed up against the cage and just wing a few shots and get a knockout. Yeah, but have you come back, seen anyone come back and just kind of just thoroughly dominate somebody with wrestling? Just um, one guy. Who is it? Who am one I? guy, Frankie Edgar. Yeah, Frankie Edgar. Yeah, you're right. That's it. The only one. And yeah, I mean, Marab, yeah, he is a, he's a Georgian Frankie Edgar, I feel like. I mean, this guy, he's an absolute tank. I mean, he was out on his feet completely. Um, Marais was just, you know, I I don't know how he didn't get finished Marab there, but he did. And then Marab, uh, Marab just, and it seemed like in a second, like he was out on his feet, he clinched, and within a second of just 
grabbing, just getting into that clinch position. He was completely recovered. He took him down, and uh, he laid ground and pound on him for the last minute and a half. And then uh, the second round just continued that and and took him out. Yeah, that was a, that was wild. He was literally running away from him to try to recover a little bit. And Marlon's like holding his arms up, like, "What is this guy doing? He's running, running away from me, stumbling too because he's hurt so bad. Crazy." Um, See, I just thought this was such a big step up for Marab, and I know he's a guy that's... I mean, Cody Stamen stung him a couple times. Everybody he's fought stung him a couple times. Can't really get stung by Marlon, and uh, he did get stung by Marlon about five or six times, and he, uh, I guess he's just able to recover, but yeah, and I was wild like, fight here. What was Marab doing? It looked like he wanted to go out there and trade with Marlon Marais in the first round. Did you see that? That's it didn't look like doing. he had any intention of take, going for the takedown, really, and... Uh, and you know what's gonna happen when you're when you're going out on the when you're trying to fight somebody like Marlon Marais standing up in the in the first round you're gonna get you're gonna get clipped and he did and uh, yeah but he was able to recover and yeah it was just an amazing fight between you know Volkanovski versus Ortega and Marais versus Marab those are two of the better fights of the entire year so yeah that was that they were both. They were both wild. I just don't know if I've ever seen a guy that hurt come back and win a fight like that. I mean, just to recover. So, um, yeah. I guess I wouldn't rely on that too much, though, going forward. Not the next guy he fights is definitely going to be a like very top of the division guy. I think Marlon's kind of like the, a gatekeeper now. So I don't think I'd rely on something like that against a uh, a guy ranked much higher in the division. Exactly. And then yeah, we had uh, Marab on the pick there, but we had Marab by decision. Looking back on it. I mean, I, I I think I should have went with the TKO pick, but, uh, you know, you learn. Um, it's just, yeah, Marlon Marais, we just know if he if he doesn't get the finish in the first round, then it's he's going to have trouble lasting for the, the final three or, or, you know, the second and the third round. So, yeah, I mean, I yep. could have seen it going in decision, but uh, Marais just completely gassed. I feel like even more gassed than usual there. He just was just laying there and just letting Rob hit him in the face over and over again. Over a hundred unanswered shots. Yeah, pretty wild. Yeah, so that was a. And they weren't. They, I guess that was a, a wild one. They weren't necessarily like stoppage shots either. It was one of those ones where sometimes you just let them. They let the ref just lets them go on and on. If it was just a little bit, if he was doing just a tiny bit more, I think they would have kept letting him letting him go. You know, so I guess it was one that it could have gone a decision. It was just, I mean, Marlon Mirage just wasn't doing anything eventually there. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, you just kind of sit there and just hold your breath because you don't know if the you don't know when they're gonna stop it because it just uh, gets out of hand. But um, we can move on though to uh, Dan Hooker, Nazrat Hackpress. This is probably the best one of the best versions we've seen of Dan Hooker. Actually, it's one of the best versions of Nazrat we've seen. But uh, Dan Hooker clearly on, on another level. I love this pick going into it. It was one of my picks in the league. Um, dominant performance for Dan Hooker. Yeah, and he he went through a lot on this one. I mean. I didn't even realize he didn't even get to Vegas until the night before the fight. I think he, or the night before weigh-ins. So he got in like literally at that night, went to bed, woke up and weighed in. So, I mean, he Both flew of them. I, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think Nazareth did as well. Uh, Dan Hooker, he's just a monster though. He looked like literally like he should be two weight divisions up from, from Nazareth there. <laughs> he's just a monster. Um, he fought well though. He was able to, uh, you know, kind of control the uh, 
the octagon. He's able to control the distance. He put the put the pressure on Nezer uh, at press, mini gas. Um, eventually, you see why Hooker wins these three round fights though, and he loses the five rounders though, because uh, as you can see, that third round was looking a lot different than the uh, first two. Um, Dan Hooker wasn't able to control the center of the octagon anymore. Uh, Nazareth Hagpress was able to kind of push his pace, and, and Hooker kind of had to hang on a little bit in that third round. But he was able to get it done. Great performance either way. And, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see who, uh, who Hooker's fighting next. Yeah, he probably relies, similar to Murat, probably relies on that chin a little too much. Um, just kind of lets guys tee off on him just so he can get a shot back. And, actually, his wrestling looked looked pretty good as far as uh getting the takedowns and ground and pound so yeah that was yeah a, i mean that was a huge improvement maybe i completely a, forgot about that yeah maybe kind of a reinvented uh reinvented version of him still i like i said i love this pick because i was almost kind of fading uh hack pressed a little bit i don't think he's looked all that impressive uh like i said he looked better in this fight than i thought he's looked in a lot of them but uh dan hooker really relies on taking shots on the chin to give one back and we saw that uh, against like a guy like Michael Chandler doesn't always pay off. Exactly, I think Nazareth. He yeah, he looked better than he has since he uh, knocked out our our boy Aljo Drew Dober. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe he's uh he's on the uh, upswing too. He's also super young. Um, Shamil Abdul Rakamav versus uh, Chris Dawkins. Um, let me find the. I'm just gonna check the odds on this one. Uh, Chris Dawkins was basically a two to one favorite here. Um, I bet him by knockout. That's pretty much the only way he wins is just by fl- putting the flurry on guys and finishing them off. Almost had it done in the first round. Thought maybe I missed my chance. He was taking a lot of shots. Also made me nervous, but he got it done. Uh, even but landed an even better one in the second round. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Chris looked good. I mean, he looked good. But at the beginning, man, I was I was nervous about this pick, man. He Shamil Akdurump. Ak- Dramov, he he looked good at the beginning. Chris Dawkins couldn't find his range. Um, he yep. was have, having trouble landing. It seemed like uh, Shamil was beating him to the punch almost every time before he could get his combinations going. And and Chris Dawkins, the guy who relies on getting in, landing those combinations, and getting out. And and uh, Shamil uh, Shamil was just uh, kind of cutting him off at the very before he could even get started. Uh, eventually, he uh, you know he found his distance. He was able to find the range, and he got in there and. Uh, he took him out. So, yeah, Chris Dawkins, great performance. We're about to see him versus Derek Lewis. Um, it's time to uh, put up or shut up, uh, see if it's going to really be the best uh, best heavyweight in the world here. And, yeah, we had him by knockout, by TKO or knockout. I think it was at plus 120, so that hit too. So that was a nice little score. Yeah, another nice one. Abdurrahmanov. It doesn't matter how many times I say it right. Whenever I'm trying to say it on here, I just – Abdurakmanov, <laughs> right. it just like falls apart. But anyways, yeah, yeah, it looked like uh, it looked like uh, he was just beating Chris Dawkins to the punch in the beginning, but can only hold down the uh, the brother keeper for so long before he uh, before he figures it out. Uh, last fight on the uh, recap here: our girl Roxanne Montefiore versus Talia Santos. Santos by decision, one minus one thirty-seven. Um, I mean, Talia's or uh, Roxanne Montefiore, she might just be the uh, the third Diaz brother or Diaz sister. The way she takes those beatings, can't you can't get it out of there. You can't put her away. It doesn't matter if she wins or loses. She uh, most fights most fights for a female in MMA history. Um, I don't know. It feels like she won to me. Yeah, right. 
I mean, she this is she won her fight, right? Um, Roxanne Matafar. She she looked better than I thought she would in this fight. Honestly, she really didn't get beat up as bad as I expected. I expected her to take a lot more damage in this fight, uh, but you know she kept it somewhat competitive. Um, Talia Santos, she looked good though. I think Talia Santos, if she wanted to, she could have took Roxanne Matafari out. Honestly, uh, it just didn't seem like she wanted to take the chances. Um, you know, and I guess against Roxanne, who's just a veteran and seems to find ways to win, I, I guess I don't blame her for, for not taking too many chances really. Um, but, uh, Talia Santos, she's obviously stronger in the clinch. She's able to, uh, get that Muay Thai clinch, land those knees. Um, she's able to kind of control, uh, Roxanne was did decent though, um, in the clinch as well. She's able to turn position a few times. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she just wasn't able to get it to the ground and get top position. Um, I mean, Talia Santos took her down a few times. She didn't really do much off her back, but, uh, she was able to, uh, you know, to kind of, uh, stick in there against, uh, you know, a highly competitive Talia Santos. So yeah, I, I really liked our, our decision pick on that one. Minus 137. We nailed that one. And, uh, yeah, uh, that was a good way to start it off. We hit the first two fights, first two props, then we hit Hooker. So yeah, it went it went pretty well betting wise. Yeah, it was one of the best betting uh, cards of my life. I, the last one I remember like that was the Derek Lewis Alexi Olenek card that was over a year ago. So this one was even better than that one. So definitely one of the best. Uh, it just felt like the picks just felt right from the beginning, and then usually when you think like that, then as they start you kind of get your confidence shaken, but I was pretty confident all the way through. So it was a, uh, a great night for that, which is nice to have yeah, on right. occasion. Yeah. I mean, I think we put every fight on the, on the main card and the prelims pretty much on the, uh, we just didn't make picks on the early prelims. Yeah. And when I was making these picks, I felt extremely confident in them as well. Um, yeah. You told me like a week early that you, you like sent them to me way early. Cause you're like, basically I have a bunch of picks this week that I really like. Yeah. And I mean, it's not very often where I'm not, I'm pretty confident in every, every fight. And also like at least half of them, I, I think I got the the prop on, on how it's going to finish. And, and we were right on really, really most of them. So yeah, I mean, you don't get really many spots. It was a lot of favorites, but I mean, when you throw in the props, it, it brings it to, we had some underdog plays, some small favorite type plays with the props. And some whatnot, solid so. parlays. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I had a few parlays. I had, I had a bunch of props. Yeah, it was a good night at the, uh, at the books. Yeah, it was. Hopefully we can get a few more of those. I actually like quite a few picks on this card too, so we'll uh, kind of speed forward and get to that. But first we'll do our, uh, our segments here. I think it's your turn to go first. Does that sound right? I think so. Not 100%, but yeah, I'll take it away. Hopefully I don't steal any errors. But uh, yeah, so we'll start it off with the Isn't He Awesome. I'm doing Triple C this week. I, I've been I've hated on him quite a bit in the past. I've yes, seen him in have. person. He's graced me with his presence, and I'm a fan now. Um, Triple C, he's soon to be quadruple C if he gets his way. And, uh, yeah, uh, he wants the Volkanovski fight. He's, he sounds really serious about it. He thinks it's uh, a good fight for him. He thinks he's going to get the win. I mean, man, that would really be something, though. Three belts. If he, could, if he can get that fight at 145, if he can beat Volkanovski, what, which I think is going to be highly unlikely. I think Volkanovski would have to be a huge favorite there. But, I mean, if he can win the 145-pound belt, then he is the real deal. Um, and, and I'd say probably the GOAT at that point. I mean, that would be extremely difficult to do. To hit one flyweight, bantamweight, and featherweight, that would be absolutely And insane. Olympic gold. Yeah, and the Olympic gold. If he can beat Volkanovski, and Volkanovski is by far the toughest opponent. I mean, the Demetrius Johnson 
win is huge. I mean, honestly, the 135 win, uh, I think it was against Mirai's, right? Or was it against yep. Aldo? Or, Mirai's, yeah, Mirai's beat his ass in the first round. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And, uh, I mean, that one's not as impressive. I mean, it is impressive because if you got you got to get through that first round with Marlon. But uh, did, that win didn't age very well because it, at the time he had to overcome a ton to win. And it was like Mirai's was on a terror. Yeah, that's true. And at the time it was. I mean, Mariah's knocked everybody out in the first round pretty much but prior to this fight. So, yeah, yep. you're right there. Uh, it didn't age as well. Maybe at the time it was a lot better than, than it is looking back now. But, I mean, the Volkanovski fight, if he could get that W, uh, that would be by far his most impressive win. And, uh, I mean, that would be that would be insane. Quad C, that would be, that would be something else. Yeah, that would be that, – that, that really would be – you would be done hate. You would have no, nothing left to hate on. No. No, I mean, if he could get that done, I mean, there, there's nothing you could say. I mean, he could be as cringy as he wants at that point. Yeah, he and he couldn't hang out at the mall without huge crowds hanging around him if he had four belt, three belts and an Olympic gold. Yeah, so, but anyways, we'll take it, uh, well, I mean, maybe, who knows? I mean, at this point. It's, at this point, who does now? Right, who knows? But anyway, I mean, if he was wearing all all three belts and the uh, and the gold medal, you wouldn't, you know, people would be coming up to him like crazy. I mean, I could picture him doing that at some at some point if he does become quad C. But, anyways, we'll take it to the uh, the weekly call out. I'm calling out Endeavor this week. Um, I don't know. It's this one's kind of weird, but they're purchasing Scientific Games Open Bet platform or their business for 1.2 billion dollars. Open Bet's basically a sports betting business. I think they have an app. I think they own some sports books at casinos or partners with them. And this just seems like, you know, nothing to see here, folks. I mean, this doesn't seem like any conflict of interest at all, right? You have uh, Endeavor owns the UFC. They're buying a huge sports betting platform. I mean, what could could go wrong here? I mean, I could definitely (laughs) see they have a lot of influence on the uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission, um, we've seen judges who clearly don't know what they're doing and might be open to take bribes if they're that bad at doing their job anyways. Um, you know, refs that could be involved here. I mean, this just doesn't seem like a good, a good idea at all. I mean, I, I don't know why they're even allowed to do this. Who could own a, just a giant, basically UFC, the biggest mixed martial arts, uh, company there is promotion there is. And also, Spend one point two billion on a huge sports betting business. So uh, I don't know. Here. Seems suspicious. It seems like if the NFL like bought like MGM Sportsbook or something. Right. Yeah, and it. I mean, and there's a lot easier ways to uh, to rig MMA fights than there are to sure. uh, rig NFL games. So. Yeah, it seems like you're, they're just kind of uh, putting themselves in a position to uh, at least have some eyebrows raised. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Maybe we can get on the inside and uh, make some money ourselves it, the old the old fashioned way. It might be good to check their lines though. You know, if if a line seems a little out of whack compared to other books, then you know maybe they got some insider info. They've seen them at the UFC Institute, maybe limping a little bit or something. They they change the lineup <laughs> a little bit. You know, maybe we'll get some insider info out of this. Talk to the doctors, find out what's going on. There's a lot of possibilities here. Exactly. That's how these books are made. So. Anyhow, I'll uh, jump into my Isn't He Awesome. Going with the JLT official uh, picks of last week. 
they were awesome. We uh, most of them go to you. Uh, I think I agreed on some of them. I don't think I I don't know which ones. Oh, I picked blades by myself, but that's about it. Uh, very profitable week. I needed that desperately. I mean, I was inches inches. I was on life support for my uh, my betting career, <laughs> so I needed this one to uh, lure me in and turn me around. Obviously, I got the NFL season where I do much better than I do in uh, UFC, but still, I was I was uh, I was. Um, I was bleeding, bleeding chips for the, a long time there and uh, needed this one badly. So um, that was nice. I don't know when the last time I've had even a profitable card period was, but, I mean, I've had a few here and there. Oh, the Anthony Smith one. You've just been on fire lately. Yeah, lately. Do you feel like you're riding a, do you feel like you're riding a heater right now? A little bit. I feel like, feel like they've been falling into place pretty good. I mean, honestly, we had to get – a little lucky on this one for the, you know, we had to take a few bounces that had to go our way in the Volkanovski and, uh, and the Mirab fight, uh, to make it a huge night. But, um, you know, that's what you, it seems like whenever you have a really good night, you, there's always one or two of those fights where, where it's, uh, it could go either way and you get a little lucky, whether it's a decision that seems a little questionable that goes your way or, or a guy that, uh, almost gets knocked out or submitted and fights out of it and wins the fight. So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I've been feeling pretty good. I mean, I felt pretty confident after the, uh, you know, like I said, the Anthony Smith pick and uh, the vibe submission prop. I, I just felt like that was a really good value, and then I felt pretty good riding into this one. I think maybe I took a few more props than I would have normally after after the Anthony Smith pick, but uh, they all most of them played out pretty well, so. Yeah, you were pretty worried that maybe you were just uh, over overconfident because you had a, a big one hit, but I don't know. I and honestly, we'll get to it too. But I like. I, there's a lot of picks on this card that, or a few picks that I really like on this card coming up. There's a prop but, uh, that I absolutely love on this card, so I think we might be. All right, we'll get to it. Um, first, I'm going to do my call out. Brings me no joy to do this, but got to call out John Jones. Don't even have to get into it. Just, uh, I believe this podcast is cutting ties with being a John Jones podcast. Um, unfortunately. Um, I said it not long ago. I don't even really think he wants to fight, but um, I don't even know if that's an option anymore, at least for a long time. So disappointing to say the least, but um, it's kind of a pattern here. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what they really say about uh, what uh, what uh, what his future will be, because I don't even know if we'll see him. I don't know if he was really going to fight at heavyweight. I don't know if what I, I, mean, I don't even know what what's an option anymore. So um jlt podcast once considered ourselves allies and maybe even friends with john jones have to uh distance ourselves and uh cut ties here honestly i'm i'm staying on the john jones train i mean and let's be honest here if uh if not that i support anything that he did outside the octagon but I, i'm willing to separate the uh the athlete from the person here and the art uh, from the artist yeah exactly the art from the artist but uh Let's be but he's honest. still a goat. Yeah, exactly. Let's be honest here with something, though. I don't think this is going to affect his career whatsoever. And if he wanted to sign a bout agreement tonight, or if he wanted to have Uncle Dana bail him out of jail and sign the Francis Ngannou fight for what the UFC is willing to pay him, they would they would offer him the fight and give him the contract if he was willing to take it at what they wanted. Uh, they do not care. Um, you know, it's not like he did anything serious like... Uh, Hit a pregnant lady with his car while driving drunk this time. Um, but uh, 
No, but seriously, he uh, he is a little out of control. It seems like every time you haven't, you feel like, all right, maybe he's moved past acting like a complete idiot. He, uh, you know, he, he surprised you or doesn't surprise you. And uh, something breaks in the news about him doing who knows what, something involving cocaine or domestic violence or drunk driving. It seems like hitting a stripper, hitting, yeah. assaulting a stripper. Exactly. Something always pops up. So it just seems like this guy needs to fight. It seems like a lot of times it's when he's on these uh, layoffs from the sport. So I think, you know, he needs to get back in the gym. He needs to sign the contract. And he needs to fight France Nagano. He's got that Mike Tyson syndrome where if he, when he's not fighting, he's, he's getting in trouble. Exactly. So I think the best thing for this guy is to, uh, to get back into the UFC and, uh, you know, start defending that title and the goats. Yeah. And I, I've been telling people all day via DM and Twitter and everything that the worst thing I really can see happening is like some sort of like a paper suspension. Like he's suspended for six months, but he wasn't going to fight for another six months anyways. So, um, Oh yeah, a hundred percent. That's what will happen. You know, John Jones serves a three month suspension and we're also announcing a fight for him in four months. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, that's, that's kind of what I expect, but pretty, uh, pretty grim stuff coming out of, uh, coming out of the news there like dana said i mean it's it's almost like a funny soundbite you he, he can't be in las vegas like yeah he, he, he's like banned from this needs to be banned from the city right but but it doesn't seem like he has it necessarily under control anywhere he goes i think this is his third incident in a year so again we'll see he'll have a redemption tour probably and he'll be uh he'll be uh the good guy by the time his next fight rolls around but man Hard to uh, hard to take up for a guy like that, even if he is the greatest of all time. And I saw today he's still number two pound for pound uh, on the pound for pound list, even though he hasn't fought in almost two years now. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, he's been he's he pops in and out kind of uh, kind of frequently. We'll see where this one uh, takes him, but that'll do it for our segments there, and we can move on to our fight previews here. We got, I mean, the name well, of this uh, one, one here is one second. Did, um. Do you see the Dan Hardy, Tyron Woodley stuff? Why did Dan Hardy have to go so hard on, on Tyron for getting the tattoo? I mean, he's just jealous, obviously. He wishes he could anybody would pay he him wants to a do fight. anything MMA-related. He's want, Yeah, exactly. He's wanted to fight for a long time. He would literally get a full back tattoo with uh, saying, I love uh, <laughs> Jake Paul if he was offered to fight, you know, I think. and I, Yeah, definitely. I think he's jealous. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I don't know what... Uh, Dan, that, I, w- I was gonna say I would I would take Dan Hardy's call out a little more seriously if he wasn't like on his knees begging anybody and everybody for a fight. And uh, honestly, I think that wouldn't even be a bad opponent for Nick Diaz if he wanted to fight again because he'd probably he'd probably beat him up. The guy hasn't done anything in years either. They've both been out of the sport for a long time. Um, he's been begging for a boxing match. He's been begging for a fight. I just don't think anybody really he did he doesn't move the needle enough for anybody to really care. Um, everyone to piled on Tyron Woodley because that's kind of the cool thing to do. But I thought Tyron basically clowned uh, clown Dan Hardy good enough to uh, to kind of end the spat right then and there. Yeah. Uh, Tyron was a champ. Tyron was the champ, a five time champ. Uh, Dan Hardy's greatest uh, what did he say? His his greatest accomplishment was uh, leaving the GSP fight in a stretcher and not dying. Yeah, right. No, honestly, though, I mean, the guy's a joke at this point. He, he's he been teasing some comeback for so long. It just And then he turned down every opponent. He acted like he was going to 
get some super fight versus GSP or something when he for his yeah. comeback fight. Uh, it was clearly just never going to happen. Um, then he gets, you know, he gets kicked off the broadcast booth for I, I don't know some incident that we fighting don't have. with Herb Dean. What was it? Trying to fight Herb Dean for not stopping a fight quick enough. No, it was after that though. It there was oh yeah there was something that happened um, after that something something with a female employee or something yeah so you know probably some type of uh you know being kind of a perv or something in the office i'm, I'm assuming <laughs> um but uh yeah and unsubstantiated rumors yeah yeah exactly that's just uh complete <laughs> it's just completely made up but uh i mean obviously you hear something with the woman dan hardy fired i don't know maybe it wasn't that bad maybe it was just more coming off the uh the herb dean i think stuff. it was confrontational something yeah, the dude's just a confrontational douche. So, um, yeah, I don't want to have to talk about him any more than we will. And I was thinking about calling out El Jermaine Sterling, but then I heard it's not like he's pulling out of the fight saying he's injured. I guess it, he couldn't yeah, get doctors. doctor clearance. So that's a little bit different, I guess. Again, and don't you think that, uh, like my original take, don't you think Corey Sandhagen and uh, and uh, Peter Yan fighting for an interim belt, but a belt kind of clears up kind of takes the pressure off Aljo. Like, Aljo is basically the interim champ, and this is for the real title. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. I mean, technically, he'll be the champ, and whoever wins this fight will be the interim champ. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Um, those, are, those are the two guys who really deserve it. I mean, Aljamain just found himself in, uh, you know, the best situation possible. But, uh, yeah, at least he'll get some pay-per-view points before it gets taken out. Yep, good. That'll be a, a good little bump for him. Um, so yeah, there you go. A little extra call out for Dan Hardy, uh, who probably can use, probably enjoys all the attention he can get at this point. But move on to our preview here. We got. Uh, I was trying to look up. Okay, UFC Fight Night: Santos versus Walker. Uh, jump into the right into the main event. Johnny Walker, Tiago Santos. Santos minus one fifty seven. Walker plus one thirty seven. Um, I don't know if I'll, I really like a pick on this one. I think, I think I would go Tiago Santos because I just cannot trust Johnny Walker's chin, but Tiago Santos has looked fairly, fairly slow in his comeback fight against, uh, Glover Teixeira, but he, he's capable of, Glover's capable of making anybody look like that. Um, I think, uh, I think the favorite here would be my pick. What are your thoughts on this one here? Yeah, I'm going with Tiago Santos as well. Um, just like you though, I, I'm, I don't love this pick, uh, by any means. I mean, Johnny Walker, he comes out pretty hot in that first round. He just can't, you know, sustain that pace and he can't get it done much later than his initial, you know, burst, but he does come out like a madman. I think he could stop, uh, Santos. Santos, he does seem to have a pretty good chin for the most part. Um, he has gotten sparked once or twice, I think, but, uh, David Branch overall, got him. he's able to take it. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. David Branch got that a was butt. weird fight. Weird fight. Mm-hmm. But I mean, providing that he can, uh, you know, outlast the initial onslaught by Johnny Walker, I think he wins this fight. He's got far more experience going uh, going deep into five rounds. It is a main event, so you know, yeah, I I, I like Tiago Santos in this one, but uh, you know, I might pass on this one. I'll probably go just go Tiago Santos on the parlays to end it with, and then we can you know, hedge and see where we're at at the end of the night there. Yep, it'd be nice to get to that point. But um, Kevin Holland, Kyle Dawkins, um, again, 
Kevin Holland lost quite a bit of his steam here because he he had a little run last year, and then he, he uh, realized that he had no takedown defense. The playbook's out on how to beat him. What do you think of this matchup against a little lesser competition in Kyle Dawkins um, uh, for this fight here? Yeah, so earlier I thought I was going to go with uh, – with uh, Kyle Dawkins here, but I changed my mind last minute. Um, did a little bit more research here, but uh, yeah, I mean Kyle Dawkins just he, you know, he's not Derek Bronson, he's not Marvin Vittori. Um, he's no. he's Kyle Dawkins. He's kept by his brother. Um, he's <laughs> not that good. So basically, you know how do how he's gonna have to win this fight is you know he's gonna have to get into the clinch versus Kevin Holland, which is dangerous. Um, and get takedowns from there. He's not a very good wrestler at shooting a double leg. He doesn't mix combinations in for takedowns well. He doesn't even get takedowns very well. He's 0 for 7 versus, uh, versus Phil Hawes in takedowns. He was uh, Dawkins versus Stolfitz, uh, Dustin Stolfitz. Let's see here. I think he was 0 for 7 again, but let me just confirm that. Yeah, 0 for 7. Oh, no, he was 2 for 7. Two for seven versus Dustin Stolfus, um, which is not great whatsoever. And his best performance as far as takedowns is concerned, I think, was against Bren- Brendan Allen, surprisingly. I think he was like two for four or something or three for four maybe. Uh, but so he's not a very good wrestler. He gets uh, primarily gets these takedowns off of clinch positions, which I think is going to be a dangerous position for him to be in versus Kevin Holland with elbows, his striking, his length. Um so, yeah, I think people are kind of high on Kyle Dawkins. I've seen people going uh, with him on this pick, but I think Kevin Holland is just too much for him. Um, I get it. He he can kind of do what Kevin Holland's weakness is, and I think we're just – I think people are looking way too much into uh, Kevin Holland's recent fights versus elite competition and thinking Kyle Dawkins is going to implement a similar game plan, which he's going to try to, but I don't think he's going to be able to succeed. So, basically – we're sticking with Kevin Holland here. All right, I like it. Um, next up, we got Alex Cowboy Oliveira versus Nico Price. Uh, kind of a wild guy fight, wild man fight here. Uh, let me get the odds here. Nico Price minus one fifty-seven. Alex Oliveira plus one thirty-seven. I'll just say I I love Nico Price here because what I always say is that you can't bet on Alex Oliveira. The guy is untrustworthy. He seems like he's showing up for a paycheck. What are your thoughts on uh, how this fight goes down? This is my favorite pick of the night here. I yeah, like you, I absolutely love Nico Price here. Um, I I can't believe they're giving you minus one fifty seven on him versus Cowboy Oliveira. Um, something seems weird here because uh, that just seems way too good. Um, Oliveira has been absolutely awful lately, uh, losing to Randy Brown, uh, Shevat Rachmanov. Um, he beat Peter Sabata and Max Griffin, but uh, before that, lost to Gunnar Nelson, Mike Perry, Nicholas Dalby. He looks like he's just showing up to cash a check. Um, he looks worse every fight lately, I feel like. Um, yes. You know, it used to be where it was a firefight until he got taken out. Lately, he seems more like he's just getting his ass beat. Um, so I think he's on a steep decline. I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, the UFC cut him after this fight. But um, on top of uh, going with uh, Nico Price, we're going to go Nico Price by TKO or knockout uh, plus 175, I think I saw it at. And I absolutely love that one, too. I think first round, second round knockout for, for Nico Price here. 
All right, we'll see if we can stay hot with this uh, with the props. But yeah, I, I like that too. I uh, Alex Oliveira has just become less and less reliable. He never cared if he won a fight or not, and it now it just seems like he's showing up for the paycheck and does not mind taking a beating on his way to it. So, um, also Nico Price, yeah, he's been notoriously fast starter. Not... Yeah, he's been he's been submitted in his last two fights, Cowboy Oliveira, but um, those were both like he was. You know, they took the submission after knocking him down and and beating him up pretty bad. So I don't see, I don't really see Nico Price going for the submission there. I think he just continues to lie on the ground and pound and and gets the doc uh, the the stoppage. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I like that one a lot. Uh, Misha Serkinov versus uh, Christoph Jocko. Been a while since we've seen Christoph Jocko. He's a minus one forty seven favorite. Misha Serkinov plus one twenty seven. What are your thoughts on this fight here? Uh, I like Christoph Jocko on this one. Um, I just think he is the better all-around fighter here. Um, Misha Serkinov, he's decent, uh, but Jotko, we don't see him often, so I think people sleep on him a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, I think he is, uh, is a really solid fighter. I mean, he lost to Sean Strickland in his last time out, uh, but prior to that, he had three wins in a row. Uh, he's a solid fighter. He's pretty good at, you know, He's good in the clinch. He's good. I think he's going to be better in the clinch. I think he's also going to be better um, on the feet striking, and I think he's going to be able to get it done. I just think he's uh, he's well-rounded and uh, will be able to uh, to beat Serkinov here. It's not like a, a guarantee or anything, but I, I do like Jocko in this one. Yeah, I'm with you there again. Uh, Aspen Lad, Macy Chazon. We have... Um... Where's this one at? Okay, Aspen Lad minus two forty-five favorite. Macy Chase on plus two oh five. We have not seen Aspen Lad since her her ACL injury or whatever, right? Hasn't it been a couple of years? Yeah, I think the last time we saw her was in 2019. Okay, so yeah, hard to hard to really judge a comeback like that. I don't like the big uh big price tag on her. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, me too. Uh I, I don't love the price tag on Aspen Lad, so I'm I'm saying this one's uh we're going with the dog, the underdog here, or we're going to pass. I think Macy Chazon, um, she does some things well. Um, I don't know. Some, she doesn't look great sometimes, but then other times she looks like she she could be the real deal. Um, just kind of uh, inconsistent at times, but she's very big for the division. Um, she's long. She's tall. Um, her, she's looked like she's been improving as of late. Um and Aspen Ladd coming off such a, a long layoff, I think this is going to be a tougher fight for. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's just one of those ones where um, with Aspen Ladd coming off a long layoff, not having fought in a while, fighting a, a bigger opponent in Macy Chazon um, and being such a huge favorite, I think, you know, and it just being women's MMA in general, uh, we take the underdog here, hope for the best. And if not, you know, it's not one we're going to be, high highly invested i'm not gonna have her on a, a bunch of parlays or anything but uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna take the dog here all righty joe selecki versus jared gordon we got joe selecki minus 127 jared gordon plus 107 uh this is another one i like but i'll let you go first here and uh tell us what you think yeah um i like joe selecki in this one yep. uh over jared gordon i mean don't get me wrong i like jared gordon i like what he's done um but he's he's aging um, he's definitely not in the prime of his career anymore. He doesn't fight extremely often. Um, yeah, he fights about once a year and I just think it's, uh, it's time for, uh, him to kind of go. I mean, 
Joe Selecki, we got a guy, I think we're getting a decent line on this here in him as just being a small favorite because I think he's relatively unknown. Um, I don't think people really are aware of, how, you know, not that how good he is, not like he's extremely good, but I, you know, I think he's definitely um, quite a bit better than a minus 120 here versus Jared Gordon. Um, you beat Jim Miller, you beat Austin Hubbard. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he's going to have, uh, Jared Gordon on the, uh, the record here as a win after, uh, Saturday night. Yeah, I really, really, I like this line a lot. He, uh, he made a Austin Hubbard win look easy too. Uh, super quick, super easy. Um, I've seen Jer- Jared Gordon's kind of been up and down. Like he looked really good against Danny Chavez, but him and Chris Fishgold looked like they were fighting in like syrup underwater. Like they were so, looked so slow. It was just uh, like it. I like Jared Gordon's a guy. I kind of go back and forth on. He looks. He looked really good in his last fight. So I'm take kind of taking that as my baseline. But I just think uh, I think I really like the Joe Selecki pick here, and I like the uh, I like the line on it too. Yeah, agreed. I'd probably go with like if I'm putting these in order of uh, how much like I like Nico Price number one. Uh, I probably like Joe Selecki number two. Uh, then I'm gonna go Christoph Jocko. Kevin Holland, Tiago Santos, Macy Chazon. Uh, if I was putting them in order, maybe flip Holland and Santos. I don't really know, but yeah. Um, so yeah, just a little idea of what, what we're thinking here as ones we're gonna put a little bit more money on or not. But uh, yeah, so hopefully, hopefully we stay hot. And uh, I, I mean, I really like that prop, that knockout prop on Nico Price. So I'd fire some on that. And uh, yeah, let's keep it going. Yeah, for sure. There's another huge card, like 14 fights on it, so plenty of other picks to uh, to mix in if anybody likes anything on there. But um, we'll see how it goes. Um, but otherwise, we'll just wrap things up here. That'll uh, that'll do it for us then. Um, good luck on your picks. Enjoy the violence this weekend, and we'll be back uh, next week to recap it. Peace.
quarterback. Okay. Don't stop, homie. I go to jail if I get sacked. Yeah. So block for me. Eight ball in my corner pocket. It's on and popping. Got the whole club leaning with it. And body rocking. Drunk driving in my cut, dog. I got my truck ball. 72 Tennessee Titan. Like, what up, y'all? I'm on boy. I'll let your homeboy. Better come quick. Once I get it, then it's gone, boy. First come, first serve. Forget what you heard. I'm Get what I deserve. Smoke on my nose. Pimping on me. They know me at the